0: I think I'm talking to a specific subset of people in my work, is that, and is what I'm most interested in truly this specific or not? Is it this prescriptive and literal or not? Or is it that I want to make something that I find beautiful?
1: Welcome to the Flying Fruit Book platform dedicated to the discussion and exploration of art in the creative process. I am the host and creator, RNS, and this week's episode is part two of my conversation with artist Sarah Jameson. If you haven't heard part one yet, please listen to last week's episode, but this part is a direct continuation of the conversation. Thank you very much. Inspired by a range of different sources, our work serves as a personal analysis of contemporary culture and way in which we communicate with one another. I was like, there's kind of like a vaporwave aesthetic, or at least some kind of like early 2000s computer aesthetic to your work. Like, is that intentional?
0: It wasn't. And the first time I did a piece, and someone um, who's also an artist that is also a gallerist that I respect a lot, was kind of like, whoa, it's like vaporwave. And I was like, what's that? <laughs> and so for someone who's sort of self-proclaimed on the internet, I was like, I should know this better than I do. Um But I I don't disagree at all. Like it's not something that I'm actively like looking at vaporwave images, but I am having no problem being lumped in with that because I think part of my I mean, when you look in hindsight, there's so many things you can see affecting your work. But, um, you know, I'm on the first generation of people like I remember the time before our family had any sort of computer or Internet or having the cell phone. You know, an early internet, or I remember sitting watching like the Windows ninety eight screensavers, where you're like going through the maze, and yeah. um, and I still sort of have that feeling of like that's the the access point to this weird digital world. I don't know if it's like deeply buried memories of when these things had commercials, and it's like the World Wide Web, and there'd kind of be like a vortexy thing, and there's like dudes yeah. on skateboards and phones flying by, and. So I don't know if it's something that I've, I'm pulling from that or like I can now think of like, you know, times where I'm like, wow, I'm seeing the distinction of like my friends who have, a you know, a 14 year old child and their Internet usage and access and, you know, like their meme world. And, you know, even I have nieces now, um, I have nieces that are older in their 20s from my husband's side of the family. My sisters are young, six and under. Um, you know and even seeing them access this internet world there's old internet and new internet and internet I'm on that if they knew it was a 35 year old person they'd be like yuck you you don't go here that's not who goes here um so it's kind of keeping all of that in mind and and even when I was recruiting for the art school you know talking to those young students and at the time I'm like in my early 20s but sort of that distinction and the art they were bringing to me that I'd be reviewing and the internet interfacing with them it's to me something that's sort of just ingrained inbuilt experience of just the age I am mm. <laughs> and the experience I have. And, and um, so I'd say, yeah, that's all built in. It's not the wrong word. Um, it's not a word I operate with, but I don't yeah. turn from it because I think it, it gets lumped in there just as well as other places too.
1: So, so I wanted to ask you a bit about your genuine fake series Um mm. and kind of like, because what I realized is that there was no um, like description for it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and I was, I was just curious about the series like what was kind of like the impetus of the series and like how does it differ from your other work?
0: so that was really the series and I talked a bit about sort of um receiving the the world's critique mm. from the pieces that were iPhone screen size and so the impetus for that was and we've kind of touched on it mm. in a way you know um trying to be very considerate about, you know, at at the point that I finished that first series, I had like 52 drawings and I felt done with it. You know, it had, I had had two exhibitions specifically with those works. And I'm like, how do I continue to push this in a way that's meaningful um, and interesting? And and I'm kind of tired, you know, tired of, um, you know, trying to put these together and, um, and just, you know, in in several different places, sort of receiving the critique or feedback, you know, I would be in different programs that maybe like community galleries in DC would, would offer like feedback and critiques. So it just felt like on many levels, the right time to, to depart from that. And so, um, you know, it was maybe the first series of work that I made where I was feeling like, okay, I'm, um, wanting to sort of address the topics that I'm we're still working with and working with now, still using some internet imagery, breaking free though of being quite meme specific. Um, and you can see some other pieces that I of still have back here, um, where uh, I'm maybe more focused on aesthetics and I'm pulling from the internet in a broader way where, you know, all of these are images. That interest me or I've collected or that are coming I try I try to pull from like royalty-free sites so the images can be belong to no one um so that was more so what it was and it's that notion of kind of again like authentic experience where it, it's like it's genuine fake it's sort of uh antithetical it sort of doesn't exist it's um can can it truly be authentic can it be real is it real do we and this one maybe was more um more maybe specifically tethered to culture in a way that you know the ones I'm making now are maybe even more nebulous um but you know there's this one that's sort of about like end of world scenarios or um this one was about kind of I had listened to a podcast and I'm off the cuff, not going to be able to tell you the name of, of the person, but it was about whether or not we're in a simulation, for sort of simulation theory, um, or you can't see this one very well, but it has the imagery from like the Voyager spacecraft. And it's sort of this notion that, um, you know, there's like the gold discs that we sent into space and we're including you know, like Johnny be good and bird sounds and hello from the children of planet earth when if you're down here that's not what it's like, you know, mm-hmm. people are <laughs> huge assholes to each other. And they're beautiful too. It's wonderful, it's perfect, but um you know, the sort of genuine message, it's sort of like a fake reality. It's a it's a, be- a greatest hits list of what we're up to down here. And so kind of you know the work that i'm making now grows directly out of that but again it's it's like what is true and real what is world ending what is you know um what is truly culture maybe that's the best way to put it you know if aliens landed they'd probably learn more on reddit than they would going to like the met or perhaps like tate or something like that mm-hmm. um it would be a, a more appropriate and earnest and honest look, I think, maybe, than than what we might like to think, you know, than sending the like hello from planet Earth, and here's the bird sounds, and here's Beethoven's symphony, and here's this and that, when like that all of that is true, but it's not reality. That idea of like truth and reality, genuineness, and um the curated. Sort of way we like to present ourselves and the news that we access and how we share it and what we think about it and how we agree on the experience of something was really important to me in that work and continues to be. Um, The work I'm making now, I, I think of as the same of that, honestly, but the big difference is these are just works on paper. And now I've really taken to like mounting the paper to board. And that was another, um, you know, I was working with a gallery in LA and we were talking about how work is perceived and how, you know, colored pencil is a bit of a niche medium. Hmm. Um, and in some ways it's a bit of a redheaded stepchild, not totally, but, um, and how framing work and then how sort of painted oil pieces on panel how collectors there's something to it right that and he was saying he doesn't didn't really know what it was but once it's sort of on a panel it changes um and this is one of the works in progress um how it's sort of seen how uh collectors feel about it and so I thought okay that's fascinating I'm gonna give it a try I'm not framing any more my works I'm putting them on board and um Seeing how that changes things and I
1: think it's a hot tip I and think it's you know. because it becomes an object not a piece of paper right Maybe. it's not oh, please yeah no because if it's off the wall mm-hmm. it's kind of it changes your opinion of like it's not just a piece of paper it's an object that it exists it's, it's physical whereas in like even though obviously it's a print it's a print or it's a piece of paper it's a piece of paper but still technically an art object but it's I don't know it becomes more of a form I guess than mm-hmm. just a piece of art
0: that sure. I I do think that that's absolutely part of it and it sort of then is cosplaying a bit as an oil painting it's maybe hmm. less stuffy than a piece behind glass or I mean it's never glass now it's like whatever
1: it's like yeah. prospects
0: yeah, yeah um so, yeah, and, I, and and some of the books I'll be reading, too, are about, I love um, Leonard Modenal, and a lot of his books are, you know, they're science books, but it's about, one is like the drunkard's walk, or one's about the subconscious brain, and and how there's so many levels we operate on that are unknown to us, um, but that really affect our decision-making, and um, I think it's that in practice. That's a very small example, but how you perceive something can be changed by such a, I mean, a small difference, right? Whether it's in a frame or whether it's on a board and how it's on, um, or the language you use around the work, you know, there's something to floral language that makes people, you know, more engaged. And there's all these little things, factors to think about and how we experience the world and so, I don't know. That's one in practice, though. That was, like I said, a, a good tip out of a out of a gallerist that you're just, you're always learning, you're always changing it. And I think there's little things like that along the way that are um, important. So, colored pencil people, put it on boards.
1: <laughs> I actually have a lot of friends who use colored pencil um, mm-hmm. and a lot of friends who create really detailed work. And actually, that's a question I wasn't actually, but I didn't actually ask you. Ask you. Um, but, like, because you create detailed work, like, how do you make sure that the viewer understands how much effort goes into what you're creating? And how do you kind of capture the amount of detail? Because I feel like that's something that I've had a lot of conversations with, with different artists that find it really hard to actually translate the kind of the amount of detail in the work to the viewer or just online or just in general.
0: I I do think this is where internet era has helped, you know, putting the full mm-hmm. process videos. Um, people can really say like, whoa, you know, like that's a lot of detail. But there's a level to that, that I think there is no explaining. You're asking people to sit in your shoes where you're working eight hours a day for a month on something. There's just no forcing anyone to that. But it's hard because, you know, and I love artist to artist. I would love an open dialogue about pricing work. Um, because it's like, if I were to really charge hourly, it, it probably would be, you couldn't, you know, like if I wanted, if I was to take what people would agree on was a livable wage to hourly. And I think probably a lot of artists spend a lot of time making their work detailed or not. I don't know that it translates into affordability for most, um, so sometimes price can be the way, although you're sort of sacrificing on the artist's end often, I think, if, if your process takes a long time, you're never pricing to hourly wage, sadly. Um, but I do think like they're, they're, the videoing of process goes a long way in people sort of understanding what what it takes to complete that you know, and if anyone is a a devoted follower, which I don't know that anyone necessarily has many, including myself, but, you know, they'll see that the videos have been popping up for a month of working on it. But for myself, it's like, sometimes you'll get all throughout life in art school, it's like, well, if you want to, you know, be hyper realistic or realistic, why not just take a picture? And it's like, that's a totally fair question. But it's also how can I say I don't, I don't choose it like I, I sometimes will try for fun to make little abstract pieces, and I really hate them. And I don't think they look good. And I wish I could do it any other way. It's not like I'm sitting down to say, like, I'm, of course, I want to do this. And I want to do it well. But it's like, it's just what I'm doing. I can't. I can't do it another way. I, I think anything else I make is just hot trash if it's not this. And so it's almost nothing I can do about it. I don't feel good about rushing it. I don't, I mean, all the time, my husband's sometimes like, mm, you don't need maybe cut a corner or two or like, you don't, when I edit the work digitally, that's another part of the unseen labor. I scan it or photograph it. It's in Photoshop, I'm color correcting, I'm editing and i'm doing it you know zoomed in to 1000% or whatever but i'm like it's the only if it if i sell it it's the only way that i have this piece i need it to be a very clean copy and i need to maybe make prints of it but ultimately i need it because it's to be perfect because that's what's screaming in my head there's nothing i can do about that it's just my it's just this, the channel i'm set on i don't know it's all I can do, it's all I must do, I must do it, I have to do it, I can't say anything more than that.
1: So as somebody who creates work that is realistic, what is your kind of like, I guess, opinion slash what is your response to like when people say, you know, like hyper real or realistic work is just, you know, it's just good skill, you know, like are they just doing a show off because they're skilled? Like what is your response to that?
0: Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, you're right, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, it's not Fair. wrong you know it's not wrong it's not wrong and and I think when I say that it could be perceived as like I don't care or um I I don't have a statement to say because I do but um I think my life how can I even say this you cannot control you can't mm-hmm. you simply can't control what others think you know if you think my work is dumb or I hope you don't, but if you think my work is, um, you know, it, it's just, what's the point of rendering in this way? Um, I, like, what can I say to you? Yeah. Then go, go find the art you like, you know, I don't know. Mm. Um, cause it's, you can't be for everyone. You just can't. And I'm not, I'm not doing it. I mean, it sounds silly to be like, I'm, I'm not doing it for you because the, the, the royal you is, I need you, you know, I need you, I need you to love my work. I need you to do, to make my living on my passion. I need you to love what I do as I love what I do. Um, But I also do it because it's inside of me and it has to come out. And there's nothing I can do about it. In some way, I'm just this vehicle to the drive of, <laughs> I mean, it sounds so overwrought. Maybe it is. Um, but I cannot do that. It's the same way. It's like, do you ever listen to music? And you're like, I don't get it. Yeah. I can I can say future. I don't get it. It came out and I still don't know that I get it. Not to say I don't like some of future songs, but I'm like, hmm. bubble rap? Maybe not for me. And then I keep moving to what I do like. And I don't think future is sitting around like, damn, Sarah Jameson doesn't get what I do. <laughs> not yeah. at all. He doesn't. Of course, he's in a pay grade far above mine. But all that to say, it's like, if you spend all your time being like, why don't they get me? What can I do to make them get it? There's nothing. And it doesn't matter what you're doing. I can't make other people think or be or uh, wish them into the existence. I wish they were in the same way. No one can make me do that for them. And Mm -hmm. I can only hope that those who love it, love it. And in the same way that I love what I love and, and, and you and anyone else, it's like the happiness and joy and reason for doing it cannot be, um, dictated by it's, it's, it's critiqued by, you know, that, that, I'm listening to what all are saying, but I don't put all of it in my pocket to keep going and and if, if it's hyper real work or realism work, you know, I, I feel like it's sort of like hyper real. it sounds grandiose to put that on yourself. I don't know. If that's one other people have to give to you, but um then you then they like something. It's just not what I do, and that's okay. Hmm. That's okay. Yeah. yeah,
1: That's a good way to consider it. Just because yeah. Because when I talk to a lot of artists, especially
0: yeah yeah they
1: say you know hyper real work is very like you know and i've definitely said it myself in the past And in some ways i still think it like a lot of hyper real work is very much about like the kind of um the ability to be able to do it and it can seem a bit showy at times i think Mm -hmm. depending on the person and depending on what they're depicting you know um at the same time like there's a reason that exists the same way that an abstract piece of work exists you know there is a reason behind it even if it is just because you can and because you have that go,
0: yeah, yeah. It's it's inside of me. I couldn't do it another way if I if I tried. And I do think of things where it's like maybe in some ways I do want to push into um, abstraction. You know, the backgrounds. I think I'm sort of departing mm. from plain black, yeah. pushing more into like. I hate to do this because the quality is probably terrible, but like a very abstract and shiny and nothing yeah. really background. So there are ways, but it makes sense to me. It may not make sense to everyone. I
1: because <sighs> the backgrounds remind me of like um computer screensavers.
0: Yeah. yeah. it's funny
1: because you are back to saying about the 90s screensaver. that's yeah. what you're, that's what your work reminds me of, like the backgrounds of your a lot of your works remind me of like screensavers.
0: Yeah, or the one where the stars were just coming at yeah. you. That was yeah. one of my all-time fave Windows 98. So I don't know if all that's just in me and I'm just living out like a weird 1998 dreamscape of staring at a computer that's idle. It could be, yeah. I don't know, <laughs> my motivation.
1: <laughs> so so, at what point did you discover colored pencils as your preferred medium? Because as you said, it's quite niche.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, probably in college. There was a time where I thought I was enjoying painting painting. But I don't. I really don't. It's too much um, process, like mixing the colors and it dries. Or if it's oil, it's staying wet forever and you're needing to glaze and all of these steps. And by the time I was in college, kind of experimenting around and in all seriousness, giving colored pencils a try. And there was a fellow artist. We were both kind of his name was Chris. His name is not was. He's still around. Christopher Canetto. He's not really... um, working on colored pencil anymore, but both of us were kind of doing it. He was, um, you know, upsets and, and, but for me, it just really clicked. It's a high control media, something about that level of control. I love, it takes nothing. You're not setting up. It's you're ready to go. The pencil's right here. Um, it can be very, um, analogous to painting and how you need to layer it it can be complemented by a painting um it can be quite unforgiving there's something about that it's maybe the crazy part of my brain where it's like high stakes if you put the line down you can't really get it back or go over it you can but it requires like hmm. scraping away the paper and um and you you know you can get a super super sharp tip I mean I think the essence of it is the high control i really like um having to have that much precision and control something about it feeds my brain in the right way once yeah, i was on to it i didn't stop because
1: yeah, i'm very curious about like colored pencil in terms of like because it's not always the immediate choice of artists you know mm-hmm. when you think of art you think about like, painting it's kind of yeah. like the first thing you think of i guess um it's interesting because the more I think about it the more that I've seen artists who use it like the the possibilities are like insane and I feel like in some way it requires more skill than a paint like I mean this may be controversial but I feel like it requires more skill than painters because with painting you can learn that anywhere you can't just learn how you can't just (laughs) learn how to use colored pencils in that same way the same kind of education is not available
0: Mm. yeah it's Like I said, there's no going over it. You can't paint over it. You have to stand on it or make it work. Um, And I do think, I mean, it's a much more, sometimes I'm like, maybe painting's faster, maybe not. I don't know, colored pencil's quite slow, but um, yeah, I'll stand on that too. Maybe it's harder than painting. It certainly requires a different, because there are things that I just, like watercolor, forget about it. My brain doesn't work that way. Mm. I have no interest in learning because you almost have to to my brain it seems like you have to work backwards hmm. um but it's it's really it's like what feels like there's that scene in Harry Potter where he gets his wand and it feels all warm in his hand and he's like Ugh. that's how I feel about it you know it's like i i don't want to say that i i didn't choose it cuz you do but once i started doing it it was like yeah 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 this is it this is it yeah. um i don't want to i don't want to paint any, anymore ever unless it's something like a mural where I'm translating a drawing and it's like buckets of paint, but yeah. um, Yeah. And I just, again, it's like, you don't have to, there's no setup. There's no barriers. There's no time. Um, You can do it. You you can just sit down and do it. You can do it in front of the TV. You can do it on vacation. You can do it in the studio. It's, there's no barrier. Yeah. (laughs) Not that I've done it on a beach, but I could. So you should. Yeah, maybe this might be the summer.
1: So I want to ask you about your work, about style. Like, do you think that you have a style? And is it important that people recognize your work?
0: Um, You know, I suppose there's a style. I mean, we were talking about, like, realism, Hmm. hyper-realism, maybe borrowing some from sort of surrealist tradition. And I suppose, you know, I would love it if it was identifiable. I think that kind of plugs into a bit what we were talking about earlier, like, How important is it to perhaps have like a motif that appears in all pieces or, you know, something like that, that makes you know without doubt? Because ultimately, you know, I'm not the only one doing like highly rendered colored pencil pieces. There are plenty of realistic painters or, you know, take your pick. Sometimes you're looking at photographs of something and you don't know if it's a Nan Golden or a Robert Maplethorpe. You know what I mean? Like there's certain... artists that I think it's like, you just, you can't always know without a doubt, but um, ideally I hope so, but that's another one that's like an out of control sort of factor um, that, you know, you, you. what you hope more, I suppose, is that you build um, a following for whom like your work is very important and they're specifically tuned in to when you are bringing new work or where it's being exhibited or if they're following what you're doing or you know wanting to collect whether it's at the level of an actual piece or if it's just a fun object like a pin or a print you know maybe that's sort of a more realistic and um, hopeful wish out of that.
1: So I want to ask you a bit about your creative process in terms of like do you have any like routines that you use to help you Kind of continue to motivate you to create your
0: art um I would say my studio is here in my house that helps there's not if I'm not doing what I should be doing I'm always reminded that I should be doing it Mm. um but definitely I mean it's not always easy and this year has been a tricky one for me you know there has been a lot of stuff you know like helping family members with surgery or those sorts of things. A lot of that this year that sort of has derailed me in a way that I've leaned into and just sort of not questioning myself. And I think that's another good artist topic, but where I'm feeling like a bit adrift in some ways, Um, you know, that I've, I've maybe leaned into more than I ought to, but, you know, trying to have the perspective, you know, of appreciating um, the things you have done and not worrying more than you can help about the things to come. Um, and as far as, I mean, sometimes you're literally just making yourself like, go, go, get in there, go, go and do it. Um, something, you know, trying to be in touch with things that are inspirational to me. Um and that it, it could be anything. I mean, there's many things that inspire me. One of the more sort of like random ones is I'm a big fan of professional wrestling, like WWE, AEW, Ring of Honor, like whatever you name it. Um, And it's it's like a weird career. You know, it's a very impossible dream to have to want to be like a wrestler. And I think it's <laughs> this is me projecting on them, but. I imagine if you're like telling your aunts and uncles that you want to be a wrestler, like, Oh, you know, same way. It's like, I'm yeah. going to be an artist. And they're like, yeah, great. Good luck. How would you, yeah. how do you make money? Um, and, and there's wrestlers in particular. So like couched within that there's women's wrestling, which is sort of traditionally not taken as seriously as like the men's wrestling. Um, and I'm a big fan of a lot of different wrestlers. My favorite is Mercedes money. So she's out of action right now, but, um, there's several Brit Baker. There's, there's some, I won't, I won't wait into it, but anyway, you know, when I see, and this is going to sound so crazy, but when I see them in matches and they're like beating the shit out of each other and they're landing on tacks and like, um, you know, they're doing something at, you know, athletically at such a high level with such a small yeah. margin of error. Like you, I think that's what I, it sounds crazy to say, it. this is what I like about wrestling. You don't want anyone to get hurt, but at any minute you could probably die or be paralyzed, yeah. you know, if you do it wrong, the margin of error is very thin. Um, but it's also like a wonderful soap opera and the solution's like always violence. And it's this niche thing that, <laughs> Is very to do it at a high level, it's it's impossible. It's an impossible dream, really. Um, so there's something within that that I equate with like the quest for a successful art career. So I, I find it very inspiring, you know, when I when I watch it, and particularly when I watch women gain equal um footing and respect and athleticism as the men do um and and so for for me that's very <laughs> um inspirational and fulfilling or you know so sometimes it's getting in there and it's like listening to music that inspires me or you know you just have to tell yourself to like shut up and do it you know there's just nothing there's nothing to do except doing it there's no answer there's no third way there's um if i want it and i say to myself yes i do so go to work there's not you can give yourself grace sometimes, or it's like eh, you've been feeling bad, so you can just chill out today and read a book. But um, it's never, it's empty when the answer is I have to, I just have to stop wringing my hands about it or wondering if what I'm doing is going to go where I want it to go, or if I'm doing enough or or doing too much, or if what I did was wrong or right. It's like it, it has to. Easier said than done, but you just have to like stop and do it that's it there's no magic answer it's just you have to do it
1: so how do you avoid burning out
0: um I don't think you can sometimes you do have to take a but sometimes it is it's hard and it's been a little bit that way this year for me where I'm like you know lightly questioning myself or feeling dissatisfied or feeling burnt out or feeling like you pour everything into it. And it can it can be difficult not to take personally when maybe it's met with rejection or it's met with, you know, and it's not just one rejection, it's your 10th rejection from the opportunities you've applied to, or you just want to be noticed by X, Y, and Z place or person. And it's so hard to feel that way. I don't, I, it did it, it kind of came to a head lately where I was like, you know, feeling that way. And then I'm sort of talking, um, you know, to my husband about it and just having a good cry about it and then being like onwards and upwards. I can't, you can, what can you do? You can only, you can feel the feelings you feel, but there has to be an end to it at some point. You know, you can give yourself the grace and the space, but there has to, Easier said than done. I mean, we're in July and I'm sort of behind on the amount of pieces I usually make. Um, but with interruption and then with giving myself the time to be like, "Mm." um, but I'm, but, but it's like, okay, then that's done. It's done. It's done now. I've done all the processing and hand wringing and like catharsis I need to do about it. And it, and talking to my husband or my best friend or whoever, and being like, all right, and that's I did it, it's done onward onward there's only onward you can't the ant like the answer is doing it there's nothing I get nothing that I want if I do nothing for what I want that there is no secret unfortunately (laughs) at least in my experience I don't know I'm waiting on maybe some like nice nepotism (laughs) or something I don't know it could be sweet but
1: they wouldn't though because the good thing about you and the practice you've you've created and the life you've forged for yourself is that it's on your terms yeah. I think you know it's always cool to look at people who have, say, like won the lottery and be like, "Oh, I'd love to be like that." But it's like, but you you don't live life in your terms. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you might win the lottery, you might have a lot of money, but it's not on your terms. Like, yeah, you yeah. can spend it, but it's, you didn't you didn't earn it. There is something very good about being able to kind of appreciate everything you have because what you've created for yourself. Um, that's just my opinion. No, I agree. And, and life in general. And I think it's also you, as you know, you said earlier, it's about control. Like, you yeah. can control, like, the only thing, ironically, the only thing you can't control is your finances. But you can control yeah. the work, <laughs>
0: yeah. you know?
1: It's like, and even with, in a sense, you can control that because you price your work. So, you, in mm. a sense, you have that kind of control yeah. that also, I like, guess. Yeah. You just can't yeah. control people buying it. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I think it's a tricky one just because there's an artist friend of mine that I, have, that I have spoken to very recently, and he's, you know, he hasn't really done anything for a while, and he's taking like, a bit of time off. And it's the longest time he's been away from crazy art. And I said to him, I said, go and live a little. I said, maybe what you need is to go and live because without life experiences, you're not going to have anything to create work about. You can't just create all the time. And I think that's kind of the big danger for a lot of artists is that you feel like you have to constantly be creating. And that's cool. But like, what are you going to do with it you've created If you aren't taking a break and examining it and looking through it and trying to create opportunities for the work you've created. You know, you can only create so much, I think.
0: It's true. And you do, you do. You, you do have to take the break. And but I think you have to be prepared too. You have to yeah. be prepared to be burnt out a little. You have to be prepared to meet the deadlines. To me, I'm like I, not getting it done is never an option. If there's a deadline, I'm meeting it. <laughs> Period and full stop. Um, but yeah, I mean, if it's what like this year, I have leaned in. Like I said, to feeling a little and and it's been the thing I had to do I guess I did it you know so it it's important step away when you need to I say that I don't like endorse full-on hustle culture but you know (laughs) I
1: actually have a work colleague and he said to me ages ago and it's always stuck with me and it's something that I reference, I think in a couple of interviews now but he said to me there's always seasons of doing things like you might work you know 60 hours for like three months and then the next three months you might work you know 16 hours because the money you've made in those mm-hmm. like three months is enough to sustain you like maybe considering things like that in terms of like everything there's a season for everything like you might be doing a lot of work now but then yes. maybe in five months you know you're not going to have to because it's different you know it's all about your circumstances yeah. right. and the sliding scale of like what you need just and that's always stuck with me in terms of like the way I do things like I'm like if I'm doing loads of too much work at once I'm like hey cool I'll take a break I'll just do a little bit less I'll turn that dial down a little bit for another month and then back up again to, to double the amount. You know, it's about like right. being adaptable to the circumstances in which you're in as well. Um, just some random advice nobody ever asked for, as is, is literally in my life. Um,
0: I think that's wise.
1: So you said that your process, and I don't know if this, this applies to your latest work. So correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of your process starts off as digital. And then it becomes mm-hmm. physical. Why is that?
0: Yes because and maybe this feeds into like the, the control perfectionism thing but when i cuz essentially i create collages that become the drawings um and when i do that on photoshop i can move it until it's perfect till it's exactly what i want i can experiment with it turn it on turn it off um layers i'm talking about there um and i i have artist friends that just you know they just put the pencil down on paper and like lean into the full process and I could never do I would never want to do that. I I want to know that I am 1000% happy with the composition. Everything is as I want it, no doubts. Um before I begin. I don't want to find out halfway through and part of it is the work I'm making is labor intensive. I don't want to pour in a month to find out I think it's trash. Um I want to know exactly where I'm headed from the minute that I start a piece and so I'm always collecting you know images keeping them in just like a inspo folder on the desktop um to be able to compose new work so you know what I make digitally becomes just the drawing reference and I'm drawing usually I have like my iPad set up and I'm drawing off of that um and then those don't really see the light of the day. I mean, they don't look good. They're not like quality props or sometimes I'm changing colors or elements anyway. Um, but they're instructive for me. And, you know, I'm teaching, I mentioned earlier, like one class a week on drawing for adults. And I model it, you know, they make real collages um, to draw off of simply because I don't know, I don't, they probably don't know Photoshop. But, um, you know, I find that they like, that. It's a certain level of comfort. You know where you're headed. You've played with it. You can, you're drawing something you know is interesting to you. You've self-selected all these images. You don't have to come up with anything per se. You know, they're, the image is a given, and maybe some of them are quite conceptual about it. Some of them are not. Some it's purely an aesthetic arrangement, um, more or less abstract, but it gives you all the same options without the inner turmoil of being like, I don't, do I put a raccoon there or is it a vacuum? Like you, you put it all on the paper and you're happy with it, whatever it is. Um So for me, I, I find it brings a lot of peace and certainty um to the process of creating.
1: Do you ever show, or have you ever kind of, I guess, recorded just talking about, like you actually, like the pre-production of your work in terms of, your, you know, you're accumulating the images. And how you specifically choose what image is going to go, or like composition. Have you ever actually like shared that?
0: No, no, <laughs> I haven't. Because I'd be and really guess...
1: curious just to see like how that works and like how your brain works when you come to look at images. Because you know, I can see the, a bunch of random images, but you can see an image.
0: Yeah, and it's sometimes like sometimes I'll have an idea of what I want to create, but sometimes I don't, and I'm just tossing it. And mm. images that I like into Photoshop and yeah. just seeing and then suddenly I'm like oh I know what this is about like I know what I'm I know what I want to say here looking at where I'm combining things um I I haven't ever considered that because sometimes in some ways it's the most private part maybe mm. and secondly I don't know how I would necessarily share it
1: live streaming um,
0: yeah, that's true. I just, like, record the computer yeah, screen. Yeah, live stream
1: it. And um, just kind of, like, have you going through yeah. options, you know, like, you know. It doesn't even have to be, like, a, oh, I'm going to live stream this, people can watch my process. It could literally just turn the camera on and forget it's that and just go with the right. process.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe I ought to. I mean, it seems, and that's the. Yeah, I never know if it's, like, going to be me fooling around for an hour with, like, pictures of snakes and coins and nothing happens. Yeah. Or if it's going to be something that turns into a drawing at some point.
1: But That's what's interesting, though, is because, it, as I always say to people, like, it's always interesting to see the other different possibilities and the failures, yeah. just as much as the final piece yeah. of work.
0: Yeah, I, true. And, and, and just I think everyone's editing eye, you know, is so different hmm. in some ways. It'd be valuable, I guess, to see how people respond to it
1: so i didn't actually have this question onto the list i've just thought about it now when we're talking about it but um what is your opinion on ai art and like the kind of current trend of like you know mid-journey that like, kind of fun stuff
0: really um up on it and i and i understand the nuances of like you don't i mean i don't know if art theft is too the broad of a word but like you know they're pulling hmm. without any sort of like agreement from artists and i think you know that's sort of a fundamentally wrong thing um but i sort of wonder if it's and i i hesitate to say this because i may be profoundly wrong but it's almost the same thing as uh, with um oh why can't i think of the word for a hot minute everyone was like are you going to make your art into not NFTs. gifts not gifts NFTs. um i'm sorry yeah nfts and it's like everyone was so about that. And ultimately it's a nothing burger, you know? I don't want to say it's nothing, but it's so over right now. And and it's also so fraught with, like, um, people. I still see artist friends of mine who get their work ripped off for NFTs. But is what's the marketplace remaining for it? Um, I sort of wonder what's the marketplace for AI art? Like where, other than it maybe taking images from artists, which I find ethically wrong and sort of the same thing is happening in music where you can use voices, you know, like mm. I could make a Drake song, Drake doesn't agree. Yeah, But course. I think they're kind of making uh, a way for that to be, if you end up do using an artist's voice, some artists have made it so that you have to pay them. Of course. Um, so maybe something like that's the answer. But I mean, I do wonder like who wants that AIR? We're all so scared, but like who where is the demand for it? It's weird that they can do it. It's wrong they could steal it, but where do we see it?
1: I think companies. So rather yeah. than hiring an artist to, to create like a campaign or a photographer to shoot a campaign, they can just generate their own. I think it's it's more yeah. for like people who can create stuff in-house rather than having to pay people to do it externally. That's what I see it being really the biggest problem
0: is it more applicable like i've worked in places that are more office type and Mm -hmm. they're um um, needing specific school branding right Mm. and it's gotta be colors buff and blue i can see where for them it's great um but i'm wondering i'm like do they though is it a net positive if if It's found out by people that cool and cutting edge. Maybe it's Nike. Maybe it's, I don't, I don't know. But you find out that, that they're just like cosplaying art, cosplaying, working with authenticity. I feel like generally that comes to bite people in the butt. People, consumers, I feel, and this is me as a real nobody, in the world of knowing about marketing and advertising but people want authenticity people don't want to live in an ai hellscape not really so i i just feel like we're at the beginning of this tech and there's the worry that it infiltrates everything and maybe it does but i but i i do think that people don't want really to have a meaningful advertising campaigns or art in a way that's just thrown together by a computer. I don't know. I could be very wrong. I don't think there's no place for it, but I don't know if it's going to be as apocalyptic and job stealing because it's it's not different to me than when someone has an apartment to decorate. They can go to IKEA and they can yeah. buy prefab art, or they can go to Home Goods and they can buy prefab art. Or if they have the means, they're probably not going to do that necessarily. They're probably going to find, they're going to go to a craft fair, or they're going to go to an artist or a gallery or they're at least going to buy a print of art and they're not going to buy, you know, it might even be society six or something like that, but it's a, it's a grade above your big box um, choice. So I think I I personally see it landing more like that, but my knowledge on this is admittedly shallow. So um, who knows, maybe in two years, everyone will clip this video and laugh at it and I'll be viral for being the dumbest artist alive. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I don't think so. Somehow. I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> no, somehow I don't think so. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: So what I don't think I want to ask you about is color because color plays quite a significant role in your work and especially where you pair like vivid colors with like matte backgrounds to kind of draw the viewer's eye around. So like what is your relationship with color like? And, you know, how do you figure out like suitable color schemes for each of your work?
0: I just love color it's almost nothing more and nothing less I love it I love it and 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 I can't choose and all my furniture is white black or gray so I can have every color of book and wall art because it's otherwise it would be too much it's very maximalist of me but um I love neons I love the grabbiness I love the saturation of it I love the joy of it I I just love color. I don't know.
1: Because what I was really interested and or really intrigued by is your use of like gold. Yeah. Like there's something about uh, it that I looked at and I was like, this is just like it looks so rich.
0: Yeah, I love gold. <laughs> I love gold. <laughs> um, although I hate the color, and I've talked about this with artists before. And I preach the choir of like, it's the worst pigment to work with, it's the least blendable. It's the least opaque. it shows every flaw. it's incredibly thin. any medium you work with, I'm a yellow hater as a technique as a color, I love it. but um, so sometimes it's torturous when I'm like, oh, I gotta do gold, but I love gold, so you have to do it. you have to use yellow. but it's rich. it's it's grabby. it's it's like you know, when you're young and you see, um, you know, I love looking at pictures of like Varna gold. It was found on a site where it was just peeking out of the ground. It had worn away enough and it just jumped out at the people who found it or, you know, King Tut's burial mask. And it's just so shiny, so vivid, so alive and, and, um, almost tangible, like you could touch. I, you know, there's just, it's a such a rich sensory thing that I always want to lean all in on on color. It's um, I don't know that it's color theory per se. You know, you're always trying to choose things that go together or accent or um, complement one another. But really, genuinely, I I love color. I can't step away. It's it's too beautiful, too real, too rich.
1: So, why would you say like the three colors that sum up your work?
0: Hot pink. Uh, um hot pink can I just say rainbow like bits of rainbow okay bits of rainbow and then maybe I'll say black even though it's not necessarily in there all the time you it's an indispensable color for making the other ones pop out
1: so do you ever worry about the repetition of ideas and imagery as you create more well
0: all the time it was funny when I read that question I was like Mm -hmm. oh my gosh wow it's like you were living in my head sometimes but yeah, and that's why I'm like, oh, they're always different. Is that right or is that wrong? I do tend to, if I did have a repeating image, I find myself using sort of like busts, like ancient busts, um, a fair amount throughout, or maybe shards, I guess technically it's pottery, they're shards, not shards, but um, shards of pottery, I'm always sort of drawn to like the terracotta bits. Um, so those repeat quite a bit. Um, and maybe smaller motifs. I'm always sort of like little, um, hearts or triangles. Sometimes I'll be putting into work, but, um, yeah, I think about it a lot. am should I repeat? Is it a good idea? Is it a bad idea to have mostly not repeating? I haven't landed on an answer, um, but I do consider it all the time, or I'm always worrying, oh, am I somehow doing something and someone else has done you just can't see every work that's out there I don't want to ever you know you want what you do to be iconic and unique and all of that so that's always in my head too, too where you know maybe it's more of a nightmare scenario where I wake up and I'm like sometimes uh, it looks like someone else's work you know but um so it's always yeah it's always mine. I would say
1: but the thing about repetition is it can go two ways. It can either get really boring really quickly or it can be used to create like a cohesive body of work mm-hmm. and become like, you know, recognisable. You know, people will know it's obviously a Sarah Robinson piece because it has a black map background that looks like a, a 90s wallpaper,
0: mm-hmm. you know.
1: So yeah, it's yeah. kind of, it can go both ways because, you know, you see artists all the time that create seemingly just the same image, like very literally just the same image over and over again. Right. Yeah, um, and, and it sells very well and it, it looked like you know Andy Warhol for instance you know yeah yeah one could argue the same image over and over again and it obviously it sells but then it's also yeah. I guess about the context behind it and the the principle of the image and like you know for a lot of artists repetition is the reason for their work it's you know maybe through mm-hmm. repetition you learn more skills and you get better reaching your end goal for instance you know um, but it's just a question I always like to ask people because I feel like Nobody really talks about what they worry about in their work.
0: Yeah, you know, I would love, to. I want to hear all artists.
1: So awesome. I feel like that's what I need to add more into my questions. What is your favorite piece of what you've created so far?
0: Hmm. I I am actually very very proud. The piece isn't in here. It's with a collector, but um, it's the piece in the genuine fake series that has like the two mirrored play guns, um, with the. the the smoke behind it is from the Challenger explosion, um, and then it's sort of got, like, graphic in the sense of, like, not explicit, but as a icon. Like um, a graphic like design. Yeah, yes, yes. Blood drops, kind of. Um, or it could be interpreted that way. But it was a piece where I was technically very proud of it. Um, the mirroring thing is hard, and every time I do it, I swear I'll never do it again. And I also just felt um, very very proud of, you know, aesthetically and um, conceptually putting together something, you know, it was sort of a meditation on like mass tragedy and sort of the virality of it and sort of the secondhand experience of it. You know, from, I don't know if the sentiment is correct to say like Challenger was, viral. We don't want to say that, but it was like something that teachers brought um it was before my time, but you know, teachers brought televisions in to watch. And this was something that was experienced in real time and it was sort of epic and it's tragedy. And um it was maybe among one of the early things that was sort of a broadcast uh tragedy. And you know, speaking as an American, like we obviously have guns, shootings, you know, all of that. Um And, you know, I never necessarily want to be prescriptive in like my exact thoughts about it, but it's also like, you know, what does it mean? How does it influence us? What is like, you know, this one sentence essentially really in our constitution, you know, its effects and its ramifications, how it threads through our media and our social media, um, how, you know, even when we don't experience something, everyone sort of has this very resolute um, idea and experience of, I mean, name your mass tragedy or shooting, it could be any of them um, and not just shootings, but we'll say violence. Um, so it was just a piece that I felt really um, proud of uh, in in totality.
1: That's interesting. And I think also the interesting thing about guns is that like, it also forms the identity of America as well. <laughs> Because obviously here in the UK, it's not something that is so much of an issue. Whereas in America, you know, it's a huge issue for a lot of different reasons. A lot of, and you know, across a lot of different spectrums as well. It's not just a case of you have guns. It's like, you know, the laws and when to use them and how can you use them and should you use them and you know, and when are you right to use them when you're not right. You know, it's just it becomes like actually, in my opinion, just as you know, a bit, it becomes like a bit of a mess because you know, it's you know, because you know, there's like you know, then then they kind of. To me, from the outside, it also asks questions about, you know, property and private land and public land and who owns what and you know, wow. commodity of space and all that kind of thing. You know, it, like it opens up
0: list of our favorite things to fight about.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like it, it kind of opens up like a lot, like a larger dialogue of like just I'm about to say like no, I was going to say what's wrong with America. But that's probably offensive, but like the, the potential, <laughs> the potential problems of America. The A person who is an American who has never lived in in that particular world Um, because America seems like a very different place. It just feels like it's a different world entirely. and one day I will be over at some point in the future, but uh, yeah, we'll see.
0: Yeah, it's cool here, but it's crazy here too.
1: You know. Yeah, I don't dispute that. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) So, do you feel like you're part of a larger art community?
0: I do. I do. It's like the DC specific. I'm in Washington, DC. Um our scene is relatively small, but I think, you know, and we touched on it super briefly, but you know, the larger art world that I'm in is digital. You know, I have all these people that I think of as friends that I've never met in my life. Um, but you know, we're often commenting on each other's things or um you know, liking, whatever, but, you know, they're my peers, and I am in exhibitions with them, or, you know, in some form or fashion, communicating with them, Um, so it feels very expansive, and it feels very beautiful, and there's a artist that hit me up just today about, you know, he's in South Texas, and it's not necessarily a big arts community, but this idea and initiative he has, and wanting to bring other artists into it, and so, the answer to that is yes. That's the big gift of social media, I think.
1: So what are your thoughts on social media? And uh, how has it impacted your practice?
0: Um, I think my overall thoughts on it, net positive. Uh, it impacts my my practice. You know, I try to be very diligent about documenting it, putting it on social media. And it's given me, I would say, for the most part almost everything i've applied to in the last 5 years um and i think this is just you know like full disclosure i've pretty much been rejected from everything i've applied to for the past 5 years maybe with one or two exceptions and any opportunity that has come my way i have kind of set the precondition for on social media you know i think it's incredibly important to like be seen working, completing work, um, process when you're not there in person, this is your, this is it. This is all people know of you. And so it's important to, you know, I think of myself as who is dedicated, able to make deadlines, I'm a safe bet. I want to be in your gallery. That's what I want my Instagram to look like. And so um, when that's on there, you know, and, and you're trying to be noticed or found or whatever the goal may be. Um, so for me, it's been so, so crazy important. Um, it's been the most valuable tool in my toolbox. Of course, you know, nothing on there is like probably true real life, very healthy, easy to get like lost in a scrolling hole, but, um, so valuable I mean it's I don't want to say a free tool because it's not free but um, until there is something better I'm like I'll live and die on Instagram and TikTok too I kind of cooled off on TikTok but um, it's how else there's no way you could be interfacing with galleries overseas or for me California is the other side of the country you know without social media so I nothing but thankful for that in a lot of ways.
1: So what has creating art taught you about yourself?
0: Wow, that's a really hard question. Um creating art, it's really the only time that I really am truly, I suppose, sitting with my thoughts and examining them in a way that is beyond the sort of momentary fleeting thought. It's taught me that you have to be resilient. You know, you have to be able to take a critique, take a punch and keep on keep on moving. And that's not to say there's plenty of wonderful feedback you get, but, you know, it's that there's some sort of old saying, you know, you hear the bad stuff twice as loud as, as nice stuff or whatever. But, um, and it's definitely like, I know, that I operate on a like I'm a very sort of like high anxiety perfectionist sort of person um high control high high all of that so I think it's beneficial that there's an outlet for that you know I think like it's a way to channel a certain level of like um I just think if, you, if you're an artist, it comes with a certain amount of like maybe uh, mental distress. I don't know, anxiety or depression or these things. <laughs> um, and in some ways, it's it's like not great, but in some ways, it's like a secret weapon. Um, it's part of the, the chaotic like success recipe. So in some ways, you can embrace things that are maybe or reroute them in a way that's more positive. Um,
1: through art making yeah because a lot of people use it as like therapy or as like um, mm-hmm. a way to process their thoughts and emotions or to kind of question things that maybe they're feeling in their life yeah. or, or topics they want to understand more thoroughly because you right. know uh, art can always help you kind of like process things and I think you know that's something that people might take for granted or people just do all the time it's kind of one of those I was also meant to ask you a question before I asked that question I realized after I didn't ask you and I was like of course (laughs) um so I was because I was like the social media bit, I was like let's just skip that because we don't need that can you go to the section and I just thought actually there's a question I was to ask you and you mentioned feedback so it kind of reminded me um because you said feedback and I was like oh I'm going to ask you about that so what kind of feedback do you like to get from your work online And, and kind of what engagement is valuable to you
0: well all engagements good engagement for sure um there was one time I got this dm um some like Canadian high school teacher, I guess, had been showing work to, to their high school students. Um, and this student had made work inspired by my work, and it was oh. like Kylie Jenner with an egg. And uh it was like on a phone screen. It was like earlier on when I was doing the more phone, you know, based work, but I was like, oh my God, that's so cool! I love that. Like, I thank you. Like, that really made my day. I mean, it's not a, it didn't like you know it doesn't move your career forward per se or like open any doors. But I was just like, <laughs> damn, that's thank you. Like, that's cool. You're looking at it and you like it, and I love seeing that you made something that you know sort of tangentially connects to mine, and it's in this. Like our world, like maybe she'll go on to pursue it. I don't know what she's doing. We never interfaced after that, but it was just like um, in a in a beautiful way of making the world smaller through art. You know, Mm I'm like every like and say even comment, inane or not, is meaningful. It drives your algorithm. I love positive feedback, of course. Um, but that was one that really sticks with me. That I just was like, cool. That's cool
1: but it also reminds you that people are looking at your work whether you think they're not they think they are or not because i feel like it's very easy to feel like nobody's paying attention yeah because you know just because you might have like the same you know at this point in time like same like 100 people comment on your work all the time Mm
0: -hmm. it's hard
1: to to think or hard to realize that your work is actually being reached your your work is reaching other people it's just yeah it's just not noticeable to you so it's nice when somebody very random just turns up because you know if the because the interesting thing about it is, is that if the one student is creating work based off your work then the whole class is going to be looking at your work in some way or another
0: yeah and I I hope you know there's like the side that's like great I hope you all grow up one day to want to be art collectors but more so than that I'm like I hope that you take from this like you're it was a very cute and silly drawing with Kylie mm-hmm. Jenner and the egg but I'm like but I hope that you leave with and this is when I teach the class too, like art is, it doesn't have to always be a highfalutin thing. It doesn't have to be like an emphasis on like, is it technically well-rendered? Is it good? It can examine pop culture and be silly about it. And if that's what inspires you, and if the end of the day you're feeling bad and it helps you to like pull out a pencil and draw something silly from social media, I'm like, that's art and that's beautiful. And I like, I hope that that's like a good part of your life. You know, like it's a little happy thing for you. And that's beautiful. That's beautiful. So yeah, that was one that uh, probably always stick with me. I think I saved that picture somewhere on my phone, the Kylie generated drawing.
1: (laughs) So I have a question for you from the last artist I interviewed, which is um, Melanie Haskins, an incredible artist. And she has two questions for you. The first question is, if you could sit at a table with any artist, who would it be?
0: Um, I would probably say uh, Artemisia Gentileschi. I believe I'm pronouncing her last name. I should be pronouncing it better because I've been studying Italian for a year and a half. Um, But it would probably be her, I would say. Fascinating Renaissance artist. um, A lot of tumult in her... You know, I don't know if you know her story or not, but um, there was, you know, at that time you're sort of apprenticing and I think the guy she was apprenticing under sort of raped her, but it went to trial, which of course we're talking Renaissance times. Mm-hmm. So, but I think, I mean, she was essentially tortured under, you know, but stayed true to all of that. But all of that aside, the work is incredible, well known. You probably would recognize, you know, she has one of the more famous like Judith and Holofernes. Hallopur of, Hall of um paintings I mean fabulous technical work done by a woman in a time where that really wasn't something that was to be done um and just an absolute classic of art history
1: so made a link to her work because I'd be really interested to say
0: it. Yeah. yeah definitely yeah.
1: I'm always interested by like, really and also you can any...
0: recognize yeah, or, or, yeah. yeah yeah
1: so so the second question is Probably gonna be the same thing. (laughs) Is if you're gonna afford to buy any art piece in the world, what would you buy and why?
0: So I don't know if I have like one piece I've been salivating after. I I would probably I would say I would buy a piece from I don't know if you know Jason Reebok. It's Mm. he's with like Library Street Collective. Um and it's abstract work, but it's really beautiful stuff. I mean, I think his background is in like street art and graffiti. Um, or what I would, if I truly just had money to throw around and like zero ethics, I would maybe like take, uh, uh, like, a why am I like basically an artifact, right? I'd take like a mural, uh, wall out of a old, like building of antiquity, like out of Pompeii and install it or like a mosaic floor or something like that. That Mm. would be, I mean, I don't know. I'm always kind of like, oh, those things don't belong in private collections. But um something like that if I had all the money in the world.
1: I was gonna gonna say that's the British History Museum.
0: They don't they don't have any compunctions about it, but uh,
1: (laughs) they probably got the money to not have to worry, to be honest. (laughs)
0: Yeah. True. So something like that, or like an amazing old bronze or maybe, you know, if I'm gonna shout out like I would love to collect from there is an artist and you should totally check her either of these two out that I'll say, but her name is Colette Martin Um, C O L E T E dot Martin is her uh, Instagram. And I'm like, I could eat her paintings. They're so beautiful. Um, I just, I adore them. So like in my life, I want to buy one. Um, And then I'll, I'll say a local person as well from the DMV. Um, Michael A. Booker I just adore his work also Um, it's kind of derived from quilting tradition um, a lot of fineliner pen and texture and color build up so those are two folks who um, I would love so those are my local picks and I would say like ancient artifact or Jason Reebok a piece of his
1: Uh, send me links to those artists. I definitely love to check them out. I always love checking yeah. out new artists, so for sure send them. Out. particularly if they're local and they want to be yeah. featured and they want to be interviewed, definitely yes. send me them over. Or if anybody you know of or think of that might oh, want to I be will. featured or interviewed, like send them over because oh, I'm shit. always interested in talking to people. You yes. know, I have a long queue, but I can I can stick them in the queue. It's fine. As long yeah. as I like, don't mind waiting a couple of months, it's fine.
0: Adam, you know, you'll get there. They're great. I don't know where Colette lives. She's an internet <laughs> Instagram from it's... Michael is definitely in the DMV or in I'm... DC.
1: So I had a conversation with a very good friend of mine, Brian Dean Howes, um, who I mentioned at mm-hmm. pretty much every interview. And I sent a link to, I sent you a link to his work because his, he creates these really interesting, huge detailed barrow and ink drawings. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were talking about kind of, which is more important, like the personality of the artist or the skill of the artist? So the question mm-hmm. to you is that: is which is more important, the skill of the artist or the personality of the artist?
0: I'm going to have to kind of go 50-50 on that. I You know, like, there are some artists who can, like, be kind of mysterious and aloof, but I think you sort of have to operate at a high level of success already. Um, You know, I, I do think your personality and sort of story count for a lot. Like, people don't want to get anything from somebody that everyone agrees is like a total jerk or something. Um, um, Depending. I mean, of course there's like an example to the contrary of everything, but I think it's important. I mean, not just as artists in general, but to be like a gracious, good person. Uh, But I, I think if in life anywhere, it's like you don't. I'd rather be like street smart than book smart. Maybe you can kind of get along a little better that way. So I think the same applies. Like you need to have the talent in whatever way it manifests. But if you are not, I don't know. Like gracious and kind and and open and I, I just I don't know where it goes. You know. Maybe maybe you could be a big, big jerk and do it, but I don't know. I wouldn't want to like. Hang out. It's it's such like a, a art is such a like interpersonal sort of thing. There's so much sort of smooching and existing together and events and those sorts of things. I just you got to be able to be in the mix, kind of at some level. Some people are introverts, some are extroverts, but yeah. you got to be Ooh. nice. You know.
1: <laughs> Do you think it's easy for you to show your personality through your work?
0: Mm. I'm trying. I mean, that's another one where I'm like, can I answer that? I look at my work and I'm like, there I am on mm-hmm. the page. Like that's everything I've poured into it. Um, but do other people who know me well, I, that's maybe a question for them. Mm-hmm. If um, I I would like to think so, but I mean, I think you could look at it and infer that I'm a, probably like a certain sort of person. Um, but to me, yes. To others, you don't maybe. have to ask. You could ask your next guest, maybe. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> so uh, what does it mean to be a successful artist? And how do you measure the success of your own work?
0: Yeah, success is defined so many different ways. And, and it's like, you want the world, you want the moon. You know, you want, I want to be in a Whitney biennial like anybody else does. You know, of course, to me, that's like, or something equivalent to that. That's sort of just the first sort of landmark thing that popped into my head, but um, of course you want that. But the odds of that are not great, you know? And is, to me, success is like, I'm making a living on my work. I'm walking in my purpose. I, you know, feel content with what I make and do. I've had the good fortune to to do a lot of cool things and exhibit with you know cool places and people and I expect to continue to do that and there are are times where it hits me in 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 ways large and small like I mentioned I have young nieces and um the there's been times where they'll just say something like, oh, like, yeah, you know, and auntie's an artist and in her studio and where there's, it's just to them, like, there's no question there. They perceive it very as like, well, that's it. That's what she does. That's what you do. Where it almost like guts me. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> like it almost makes you want to cry. It's not, you know, from on high where you're getting, you know, Jerry Saltz being like, it's incredible. But it's when someone you know, unquestioningly accepts this and, and, and sees it as like, I don't know if they will be artists or not, but it's at least like, there wasn't a lot of people I could look to in that way. And so it feels meaningful to be acknowledged in that way. Maybe that's the way to say it. Um, And sometimes it can be difficult to feel that I've progressed very far, but I think if I, To set myself back as a child and look at what I've done, or even five years ago and look at what I've done, I can feel very proud and successful. It's on a spectrum. Um, And it's not done. You know, there's that saying, it takes 10 years to become an overnight success. And uh, for whatever it's worth, I think the sentiment of that is worth it. You know, investing in the patience and time to see results, whatever those results may be.
1: That's beautifully said. And I think that's actually a really good piece of advice for people to think about in terms of like, it may seem like you no know, one's paying attention or it may seem like your work or whatever you're doing is kind of, you know, it, it hasn't become quote unquote successful, but actually you're right, like it takes time and yeah. it has to be the right, right time. Like timing is everything, That the right people have to see it, the right people have to share it, the right people have to understand it. So it's not just a case of, I want to create all this cool work and people are going to love it. It's like, you have to make sure you have to give people re- a reason why they should be interested yeah. in what you do. Um, yeah, you can't just create beautiful yeah. work. You know,
0: yeah. no one. I'm entitled to no one's attention. Hmm. Nobody is, and and that is a big thing. It's like, well, then you have to make sure what you're saying is interesting, worth investing in, meaningful, exciting, resonant, special. I mean, there's a lot of, and that takes a lot of time to build. You know, you're not the only one doing it. You're not the best one doing it. You mean mm-hmm. me. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's just effort and time. And and in, at the end of the day, there's nothing that and you said it so beautifully earlier that it's like you live life on your terms. And if that's not success, then what is, I guess, you know, we want we want the most, but I can settle for never compromising who I felt I was and what my purpose was in life. And that's yeah. not paying my bills, that sentiment, but, you know, operating with that is, is I think success on his own in its way.
1: So can anybody be an artist?
0: I think there's, yes, I do. And I think it's so important. So I'm of two minds. It's like, if you want to be, you know, in an art career, doing art things like truly in the truest sense, you know, into galleries and museums. Uh, Yeah, it's, that's not necessarily just everyone. And even not even necessarily all artists, you know, not everyone has. um, You have to be wildly dedicated, you have to be very diligent. Um, You can be very talented, but if you're not working to put the work where it needs to be and making the work you'll eliminate yourself. Um, And there's never a promise anyway, even if you're doing all those things. Um, But I think it's important. Like I've known so many people who are creative people. And my sister is a wonderful example. She's a, a vice principal now, but she's been a teacher for many years. She's an extremely creative person, but you go through, at least speaking for the American school system, There's a lot of emphasis on um, rendering as art, and I think it turns off the potential for people who are creative people or who could make art. Maybe it's just for themselves, but they feel like they're not good at it. So I I always want to be cautious in saying it's like if, if it's art if you're making it. You know what I mean? but is it in the art world? I mean, there are layers and nuance to all of that, but I think it's important. I have a neighbor who's turning 80 this year who discovered painting in the last five years Mm -hmm. and she's incredible, you know, like her art is unrivaled and it's like earnestness and joy and freedom. And, you know, in her, you look at it and you really do know who she is. Hers is like, you, like her joy, her lived experience is all over it. And so, Imagine that, you know, when you're 75 to 80, you've discovered that you love painting. And so I think that that saying everyone's an artist is important in that way. Is everyone exhibiting at Hirshhorn? No, but depends on what you want out of it, I guess.
1: That's a great answer because it's yeah. such a um, a debatable topic. You know, it's like everyone has their own opinions and it's not just yeah. a yes or no answer as well. That's the thing. Yeah. yeah. So the second to last question, you'll be probably very glad to know, is... No,
0: I'm having the most fun. I hope you know that,
1: Aaron. <laughs> I can never discern if people are or not. I kind like of people are like, oh, I'm having fun. And they'll just see if you like, get me out of it. Um,
0: no. I, I was
1: said yeah. like, there's kind of like a vaporwave aesthetic, or at least some kind of like early 2000s computer aesthetic to your work. Like, mm-hmm. is that intentional? Okay, that's perfect by me. Um, so the second to last question, the penultimate question, is what was your younger self think about your work? And what does your work say about you?
0: Yeah, oh, that one almost like makes me want to cry. Uh, I think she would like it. Yeah, both. Um, yeah, um, <laughs> I. I think that a younger me would be really proud of um, of what I do. I think it. Uh, I think. She, I think. Yeah, I think I would just be really proud of the path I've walked of like, (laughs) of like, um, you know, who I am and what my values are and the work I make and that I've stuck it out and fought to do it sometimes when it was hard and the path could be winding. And like I said, spent a lot of time waiting tables and doing things like that. But um yeah, I think I've like feel pretty good about it. Like I've done pretty good by that younger me. And I'm sorry, what was the second part of that
1: question? It was what do you think of work says about you?
0: I hope that it just I think of myself as a very curious and open person. I feel like I'm open to all the answers, to all the lived experience. And I hope that when I when people look at the work they can see that it's a little bit silly and maybe a little hamfisted at times, but that it's also like deadly serious and, you know, deadly hopeful and deadly sad and it's earnest and it's curious. And I hope that it's an appropriate um, an honest perspective on the joy and grief and, pain and gorgeousness of going through life as it is right here, right now, on the internet, together, alone, in the dark of infinity, if that's what happens when we die or not. You know, in in joy and betrayal and internet and love and devils and memes and all of it. I just I hope it's rolled up into like little, almost like little candies. That's I guess what I hope. (laughs) I don't know. That was a hard question.
1: That's really lovely. That's a lovely way to think about it, actually. That's super cool. Yeah. And then the very last question, after like 15,000 hours now. the very last question, which is, <laughs> well, technically a double-barrow question, which is, what are you currently working on? And where can people find more about you and your work?
0: Oh, okay. I'm currently working on finishing one piece. It's what I'll be doing today as we hang up. I'll have my lasagna, and then I'll have my drawing. Um, I've got... One piece currently with Wow Wow over in the UK. Um, it's a digital exhibition. So the pieces here, the work is in cyberspace. Um, I have two pieces. There's a a gallery opening in Boston's Chinatown. And I've got two little pieces. I don't know, is it worth holding them up? Is that like good for your okay? I don't know.
1: Cool for me, not for um, anybody else.
0: <laughs> well well, I didn't know if the photo quality would be whatever um, but these two go together and they'll mm-hmm. be in um, Boston Massachusetts and then I've got this one I've held up a few times but I've got sort of shimmery gloves that I need to finish rendering um, this one is the piece that's about infinity and it's going to a gallery Gallery Ergo in Seattle and the other gallery I should have said Blue Triangle Gallery I've got some group shows on deck, but um, people can always stay tuned on my Instagram or website. I try to um, keep lots of in-progress pieces on Instagram on there all the time. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. We'll see. And I don't know what's next. I actually need to go down and maybe after our talk, I'll be filming it, put together some new pieces. I've done everything that I've laid out for the first four, so... I've got to create something new. So maybe I'll be giving insights. Oh, we're like right on time. We're winding down. Exactly.
1: (laughs) So, Sarah, thank you so much for your time. Like, generally, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you.
0: It's been such a pleasure, Aaron. Really, these were fabulous questions.
1: That concludes the second and final part of my conversation. Sarah Jameson thank you very much for listening if you have any questions or comments about it please send me an email at theflyingfruitball at gmail.com get in touch via social media sites Instagram and Twitter the Flying Fruitball podcast can be found on a variety of sites such as Spotify YouTube and Apple Music if you like the show please consider rating reviewing sharing or subscribing on any of those platforms to help spread the word also please don't forget to check out uk for daily art inspiration and if you're a creative, please get in touch for a chance to be featured or interviewed. We now also have a Patreon page, if you're interested in supporting the platform further. Tears out from one pound, and more information can be found over at patreon.com forward slash Additionally, if monthly donations are not your thing, we now also have a PayPal for one-time donations. I'll include a link to our PayPal in the show notes. Once again, thank you very much for listening to the episode today. Until next time, folks, please stay safe.